Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is a former college All-American and NFL draft pick, now collegiate football coach. He is also the author of The Recruits Playbook. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Coach Larry Hart. Coach, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on, man. I'm excited to be here with you today. Yeah, excited to connect and have you share a lot of your wisdom. But I guess to start, just I'd love to, I know a little bit about your story, read your book and share a little bit about that and your journey and what led you to the work you're doing now. So let's see, I, uh, I grew up in Mississippi in a small town called Gluckstadt, Mississippi. Um, so I started playing football uh, around the, uh, let's say, seventh grade is when I first put the pads on. i tell you a funny story real, really quick. Yeah. The first time I ever put pads on in my life, Tyler, uh, I remember telling the coach I was so nervous and scared I pulled myself out of practice <laughs> the first time I put the pads on. Anyway, so yeah. I started playing in seventh, eighth grade. And, you know, I, I was a pretty good little football player and I was enjoying it. And then in high school, um, I was a three year starter in high school. You know, I was a pretty good football player, not a great football player. But then from there, um, I wasn't a qualifier coming out of high school. So I had to go to the junior college route. So I spent two years at Holmes Community College. And then I went to the University of Central Arkansas on a full ride scholarship for two years. And then I got drafted into the NFL, played there a couple of years with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, was a fifth round pick. And then um, short-lived NFL career and then started my coaching career in 2014 and uh, got my master's degree at Arkansas State. I was a graduate assistant there for two years. And I actually went back to Holmes Community College for my first okay. full-time coaching position and then went back to Central Arkansas, 16 and 17. And then prior prior to coming to Houston, I was at the University of South Alabama for three years coaching. And then um, after South, came here to Houston. Uh, so I've been here for the last couple of years. So uh, playing and, and coaching, man, been yeah. been doing it for for pretty much like over half my life now. And you, you bring a lot of that expertise and and wisdom into your book, the Recruits Playbook. Um, there's a lot of like technical. It, I'll have the book linked up here. The technical just guide is just fantastic. But some of the stuff I really loved was just some of the preparation and the mindset and, and just some of the things you really weave in there, I think just as lessons um, that come along with being a football player and in the recruiting process. I think there's a lot of life lessons in there. Uh, one of the things that popped out and grabbed my attention is he says effort over time equals success. Explain a little bit about that. I'm, I'm sure you've shared that with players often, but for the ones that haven't yeah. heard it, share a little bit about that. Well, Tyler, that connects really well with my journey because along the way, you, you learn a lot of different lessons along the way. And probably the biggest lesson that I learned is for me uh, not to give up. I mean, just to keep keep chopping wood, so to speak, and mm -hmm. just keep working hard, man. So uh, life is always going to be filled with disappointments and, you know, it's not necessarily a uh, a – 
a straight path to get to where you want to be. Everybody has these goals and dreams of what you really want to do. But what what may come as a surprise to you is the work that you have to put in to get to where you want to be. And so for me, to give you an example, right, um, I want to say early on in my childhood, actually, um, I didn't pass the fourth or the fifth grade. You know, so for me as a young man, that was disappointing. And then to be a non-qualifier coming out of high school, that was disappointing again. And so, but the consistent thing that I found was, and I'll tell you this too, Tyler, um, I was a a uh, half scholarship guy going to junior college. So I didn't even get a full ride to, to go to junior college. So I was like, man, this is the only school that wants me. It's a junior college and they're giving me a half scholarship. And I know that I can be a really good football player. And so that, that journey within itself was troublesome, disappointing, you know, coming out of high school. I didn't even know if I really wanted to continue playing football. You know what I mean? So w- with that being said is along that journey is um, you, you learn to not give up. You learn to keep pushing regardless of how you feel. And so um, when I say effort over time equals success, that means that um, whatever your goals are, uh, you just kind of keep putting in the work and you keep showing up, you keep working, don't give up, keep pushing. And that just ties into my journey is that I'm, I'm a big believer in that. So whatever it is that you want to do, I'm, I'm a firm believer, man. If you continue to just keep bugging the crap out of people, you keep putting effort in, eventually, man, you're going to find yourself in a successful uh, position. And I think a lot of people, man, um, people just give up, man, whether that's in football or life or marriage or relationships. Like I've been married for, for 10 years now. And I, and I believe that uh, one of the things uh, with our marriage is, me and my, my wife and I, we're really good people. We strive to be good people, but we just have not given up, you know? And I think through not giving up, we've learned to love each other more and more now versus uh, we first met each other. So um, anyway, effort over time, man, just yeah. kind of keep, keep hanging in there. Successful marriage or success on the field, right? It's effort over time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, another thing I really love that caught my attention, and I think, you know, seeing the byproducts of it with, with other athletes and experiences is unmanaged stress can lead to unexpected results. I think just the time we're in with student athletes right now and mental wellness, mental wellness and mental health, can you talk a little bit about unmanaged stress leading to those unexpected results? Yeah, Um so first off, I think it's important for people to evaluate where they are mentally, emotionally. And I'm not a um, professional when it comes to talking about mental health. I just know a lot of people deal with it, Tyler, yeah, yeah. Um, because based on your childhood or based on what you uh, that you grew up with, because everybody has issues that they deal with. Everybody has advice, whether you want to admit it or not. So everybody has things that they're dealing with. And I don't care if you're a multimillionaire or you don't, you come from a low economic status background or wherever you're from, there's always going to be issues and those stresses are going to be there. And so one thing that you can do is you can't ignore those stresses. Okay. And so what you have to do is you have to self-reflect and and see where you are mentally, emotionally. You kind of have to evaluate that uh, on a daily basis, especially with student athletes, because, um, in particular with college football players, man, you're, you're faced with so many challenges uh, just between social media, uh, girls, you want to have a good time. And then the, the, the demands of uh, schoolwork and the demands of practice, all that stuff, man. So it's, it brings about a certain amount of pressure for those guys to perform on and off the field. 
And so what happens is when I when I talk about the, the unmanaged stress can lead to unexpected results. And so if you don't take care of the your your mental or your emotional state, then you can find yourself uh, flunking out of school. You'd be like, man, I'm making bad grades. I don't even know why I'm making bad grades. Why can't I snap out of this? Why can't I um, perform to the best of my ability? Like what's going on? I, I promise you, I, I have guys like that all the time. They're they're about to flunk out of school or they're about to to give up or make a poor decision, right? Um, that could ruin, ruin their careers or where they really want to go. And they don't even know why. They're just like going through the daily process. Yeah. So you have to really eat, take time to evaluate your mental um, state. And then, uh, I mean, most universities or all universities have um, things put in place to help you to get through those things. Most definitely. I think there's a, there's a lot of different ways and different people manage in a lot of different ways, but uh, I just, I, I reflected hard on that question because I think I had some unexpected <laughs> results looking back on my time that yeah, stemmed from some, some unmanaged or, or you know, bad forms of stress. Uh, you talked uh, about your journey and I, what I, I love is you emphasize in your book is that there's a lot of paths and you talked about success, you know, effort over time. Um, and you took probably, you know, one of the, the less popular routes to the, to get to the NFL, to get your opportunity. Um, but why is it important to focus on, you know, what your journey is? And there's another thing that caught my eye in your book. There's a quote, something like, you know, go where the school wants you and go make big plays. And I think yeah. there's also maybe in that same chapter, it talked about like, if someone's not grateful for an opportunity, why would they even be grateful to be part of this team? And I yeah. think in the recruiting process and seeing that play out with kids in the past, I think, you know, expand on those things about your journey and why it's important to go where you feel that you're valued and you can be a part yeah. of a, a real team. Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many examples of guys that go to the NFL and they don't go uh, the, the prototypical popular route. Right. So, for example, I mean, Josh Allen, he was a junior college player in Reed Lee, California, Reed Lee Junior College. And he ended up going to Wyoming. And now, I mean, he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is another. Cam Newton is another. Where uh, Cam actually went to Florida, well, got kicked out of school, went to a junior college in Texas and then ended up bouncing back, going back to Auburn. And so there's just so many different avenues and so, so many different paths uh, that can get you to where you want to be. And so when I said that, um go where you want it. Right. Because sometimes, you know, in the way it's kind of trending now, it's, it's college football. There are, there is politics exists, right. Let's just be honest there. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an opportunity to uh, go to a, a, a small school, like, like myself and that in central Arkansas really wanted me, I could tell that the coaches really wanted me. So what that means also is that those guys are willing to help you develop on and off the field. So they're going to be more invested in you. And I'm not, in some, certain schools, if the bigger schools are, if you kind of like a, a fallback guy for them, I'm not saying that they're not going to help you, but it just seems like the schools that really want you are going to be more invested in trying to help you develop and being the best person. So for me, I always wanted to go where um, I'm celebrated, not tolerated, so to speak. And I think I would advise guys to go that route if if it's getting close. You want to go to a place where coaches have been recruiting you for a long time and they've invested a lot in you. Uh, resources and all that stuff. That means that they really want you and they care about you. So uh, for me, I think it would be more of a wise decision and go where you're a wise decision to go where you're celebrated, uh, not necessarily tolerated. I like that. Right? 
Um, you touched on grades a little bit, and I think uh, one of my best friends he ended up being a Marine, having a success in other avenues. But um, he would have had college football opportunities had it been not for his ninth and ninth grade and tenth grade grades. <laughs> and right. you know, yeah. he he had a blow a one point GPA, and then once he realized football might be a path, he was getting three point oh three fives, but it was too late. And yeah. and I think to parents or coaches that are listening. Can you talk about why, and you do a good job in your book, about why grades in ninth and 10th grade are way more important than what we're doing in 12th grade? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really important that you get off to a good start, Tyler. Uh, when you get into the ninth grade, uh, it's, it's going to count. Like your ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade is, is now everything's real is going to count. So you have to have 16 core credits, and obviously you look at it, four in your ninth grade, four in your 10th grade, four in 11th, four in 12th. So you got to have 16 core credits. And that's what the NCAA looks at is your core classes. So basket weaving, uh, <laughs> PE, dart throwing, whatever else, that stuff is not going to count towards your core, towards your GPA. They only, they're going to look at those 16 core classes that you have to have. And so if you, if you don't take math or science or history seriously in the ninth grade, it's going to count and it's, it's, it can have an impact on whether you qualify or not. And so in a, in a lot of guys, uh, you know, I've seen that so many times where your ninth and 10th grade year, you know, you're immature like most people are and you're not thinking about long term. And so then you find yourself like at your 11th grade or your 12th grade year trying to play catch up. And um, oftentimes, man, well, I won't say oftentimes, but sometimes it can't get you to where you're, you're putting yourself in a, in a tough position. And so in some schools, man, um, are, uh, let's say, like if you're trying to go to Northwestern, so certain schools have a, a higher standard too. So you may be a guy that be getting recruited by uh, Northwestern or Vanderbilt or one of those schools, and um, you're like, man, if I would have just had a higher GPA my ninth, 10th grade year, I would have been able to get into this school. And so sometimes you can you can limit your recruiting uh, because your GPA isn't high enough to get into certain uh, academic schools. And those schools can be like, man, we love you and we want you. But, you know, your your GPA isn't quite high enough to get in. And so I think that if you have your 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 grades on point, that can also increase the amount of schools that can recruit you as well. Yeah. Right. So I was, a, I was an FCS player myself, so came from from that level and. Hey, but shout out to the FCS guys, man. That's right. That's right. Um, but also parlay that that the grade question because you know, I, yeah, I was shooting to be an FBS player, but you know, my opportunities landed where they landed, and I had some Division two opportunities. Had those ones not come, but when you get to Division three, those grades become real important again because you're usually not getting athletic money; you're getting academic aid. Can you talk a little bit about why? for the largest population of college football players, which is at division three, um, <laughs> right? That's where the most college football players That's are. Right. And then division yeah. two. Um, can you talk about why those grades are still important, um, you know, based on, on kind of where scholarships and how they're allocated at the division two to three level? Yeah. So um, as the, as you move down the lower levels, schools have, basically they have what, um, a certain amount of scholarships they can allot, right? So if they have, say, for instance, they have 10 scholarships, well, really they'll try to divide those 10 scholarships among like 60 to 70 kids, right? So if you have higher um, academic 
say if you scored high on your ACT or SAT and you have a high GPA, then you can have more academic money. And then they can kind of fill in the gap a little bit with their scholarship money to where you don't have to come out of pocket. Right. So it's just if you the higher grades that you have, um, that makes you more recruitable. And then the school will be able to fill in a gap where you're not where if your academics don't necessarily cover it, it makes it easier for them to cover up the rest that you have. And so head coaches kind of are looking at that and they're saying, okay, this guy has higher grades or whatever. And we can kind of fill in a gap for him right here to now he doesn't have to come out of pocket, the higher grades that you have. Right. And so I think that in the recruiting process, those coaches are sitting there, sitting up there looking and they're, they got to be pretty good mathematicians too, right. To, to try to fill in these gaps, but they're sitting there looking at, it, they're like, okay, this guy's got good grades here and we know we can fill them up here. So we can get this guy versus uh, if you don't have those higher grades and they're like, okay, man, you're going to be a little bit too expensive because we're going to have to come out of our pool of money to try to get you there. Uh, so we may want to find somebody else that has higher grades and that's probably a pretty good player too. And now we can um, potentially get a couple more players versus investing so much in one guy, yeah. because at those lower levels, they don't have as a, a bigger budget to, um, as far as like recruiting money to give out scholarships, they don't have a big, as big of a budget as the higher level schools, so to speak. So they kind of try to uh, make it work within their program to get as many kids in as possible. And I, even some experience I had coaching at the FCS level here, instant, we were able to find, you know, if a kid was offered a, you know, three quarters of a scholarship, um, yeah. you know, sometimes we were able to basically get it to full if he had a good GPA based on Colorado and the state's academic programs. And so right. they ended up, you know, while 75% came from football, the rest was really made up by their, the work they did in high school is where they right. earn that they earn 100%. that money and i think you know starting in ninth grade there's opportunities to earn scholarship money because even if it's not sports there's way more academic money out in the world than there is athletic money so no no question and, and i tell you this too tyler you know this man now that you've gotten out of college and, and you know how important it is to not have debt coming out of college i mean golly man i mean Bless. if you can yeah I mean, if you can come out of college and, and not have a 40 or 50 grand lingering over your head that you got to pay, right? Because as soon as you get out of college and you start paying your bills, man, you're like, oh, crap, I got rent. I got uh, my car note. And then you got car insurance and cell phone bill. You're like, crap. Yeah. You know, you're going like from next thing you know, and then you got another $400 payment of student loans on top. Of it. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying too, man, that, you know, a lot of guys don't, if you being able to take care of your grades and and playing college athletics, man, you have an opportunity to to potentially get your school paid for. And that really is the main thing. Right. And when I played at Central Arkansas, I never thought when I walked on that field and we're playing McNeese State, we're playing Stephen F. Austin, Southeast Louisiana. Tyler, I had the best time of my life yeah. playing and competing with, with my teammates. And that's really at the end of the day, man, I enjoy my coaches. I enjoy my teammates. Uh, we had a good time. We laughed. We danced. We went to parties. Yeah. Um, had a good time, man. And that's the college experience. If, if being a part of the team and, and playing college football, man, I think that should be in developing as a person. And hopefully, there's it, nothing wrong with going to Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU. There's nothing wrong with that. But just know, man, if you have an opportunity to go to, you know, Central Arkansas or Missouri State, right, yeah. that it, 
and to get your school paid for smaller schools, Division three school. I mean, Wisconsin Whitewater, man, trust me, you will have a really, really good time playing college football and competing with your teammates at the end of the day. I think, yeah, there's uh, every individual kid has different factors into their decisions. And, and now, uh, you know, the portal is a lot easier access <laughs> than probably when I think when you and I played, I joke with some of my teammates, like, I don't even know how I would start the process when I like if I had a if I was mad at my coach, like I didn't even know where the compliance office guy was. Like, right. and now, um, you know, but I think that's also shown and I, you've probably, you know, coached at different schools. It kind of has, this has kind of exploded, but some guys have come from FBS programs to FCS and some have had opportunities to go the other way too. Um, but some of, I think I'm always focused on what's the best experience for you. And, you know, some kids do have a reality. Hey, I'm not going to the NFL, but I do want to be on the field. I want to be part of a team. I want to play. And so there is a mixed bag of factors, but there's so many kids that I think um, sometimes it's, it's not about finding what society thinks is best for you, but it would just finding the best thing for that, that young man uh, or that young athlete to, to, to fit in. So um, I, I love in your book, how you talk about just the, the mindset of things as well. And I think you also touch on there and you work in a, in a college atmosphere now. Um, can you touch on how, you know, everything's being evaluated <laughs> when kids, I think, um, you know, when you go on that recruiting visit, maybe just touch on, you know, how yeah, everything's being looked at at some level. And then also maybe a couple, two or three good tips for, for some, some listeners that, Hey, you're maybe you're taking your son or daughter on a visit or a listener you're going on one. What are some tips for those, those young people that might be stepping onto some campuses? Yeah. So first I would say, Tyler, understand that college football, the way it's trending, it makes it is it's a big business. OK, and people are putting a lot of pressure on coaches to perform, to win and to, to do it at a high level. I mean, around here now, I mean, they are they're very angry at us right now for being three and three. I mean, they are coming after us and they expect us to be a really good team, which is perfectly fine. So that pressure rolls downhill on coaches. OK, and so if if they're paying coaches, our head coach, I mean, he makes a lot of money. OK, so with that being said, when recruits come on visits, they are evaluating everything. Um, how do you interact with coaches? Like um, they're also asking the guys that take them out on. Um, so when you come on a recruiting visit, you, you hang out with coaches, eat, show you around campus. Then later on that night, you go out with uh, some players that are currently on the team and the coaches would come back and ask, like, how was he? Can you see that he fits in? Um, is he mature? Like, what kind of character is he to get a little bit better insight? So they're asking the host, how was the recruit coming in? And then they're also kind of talking to your parents and getting a feel for your parents, yep. right? They kind of seeing, they're basically kind of filling you out to see what type of person you are. Can you fit in all of those? And I've seen guys, man, that, you know, they come up on a recruiting visit and they're acting immature and immature and they're, um, you know, not making good eye contact. There's just certain things and coaches be like, okay, we kind of shy away from that guy a little bit because we don't think he would be a good fit. And um, those things, man, because the lifeblood of any program is is the recruits, right? You got to have good people. You got to have guys that have the work ethic that um, can endure the grind and that is tough. I mean, college football is tough. So we're really trying to evaluate a, a lot of different things. We're also looking at your physical length and tools. I mean, coaches are looking at, uh, your arm length, they're looking at your ankles, they're looking at your hips. Can you hold this weight, your shoulders? 
Uh, I mean, we're breaking down every little thing about you when the first time we see you, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I can remember one story. We brought a kid up. You know, we liked this film, thought he was a good athlete. And we brought him up for a home game. And, I mean, I mean, the, the coach sat right next to me and he said, hey, he brought the strength coach there, too. He was like, hey, um, man, I don't know if his hips can hold 240 pounds. I mean, his shoulders look a little narrow. His hips are a little in. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty – I mean, it's really, really detailed yeah. uh, to the evaluating process. So the couple tips that that I would give uh, young men, I mean, uh, to, that are coming up on recruiting trips. I mean, you want to you want to look coaches eye, look look them eye to eye when you're making uh, when you're communicating with them. Firm handshake, um, be able to hold a conversation, man. Uh, if they ask you about your goals and what you want to be, you know, you just want to have answers for those things. Um, if they want to talk a little football with you. So just understand some of the, the schematics that you're doing with your current offensive um, coaches or offensively or defensively, just be able to hold conversations, be able to talk uh, yeah. and just communicate properly. Those are a lot of things that, you know, coaches are looking for uh, because they want to know that you're going to be able to fit in in the locker room. They want to know that uh, that you're going to be a guy that's going to come in and work and, and be disciplined and take care of your grades, all that stuff. Yeah. The, those firm handshakes. I remember going down the recruit line when I was a college coach recently and just my, I was like the worst part of a Saturday. Those kids would crush my hands. <laughs> like when I was like, man, there's like, they all had firm handshakes, but man, I got through the introducing myself to recruits. My hand hurt. <laughs> nice. It's nice to meet you. I need some ice. Uh, right. but, uh, uh, so if you, uh, if I put you in a, a time machine and, and send you back to to visit sixteen year old you, um, oh, the, the the wisdom and the experiences you've gathered on your journey, uh, what's something you would want to remind sixteen year old Larry? Oh man, um, the how much the little things matter. Um, everything matters. Um, how you treat people, your your grades. Um, you know, work ethic, man, if, if I could go back, Tyler, man, I would be in the gym every day. I'd be studying film every day. Um, I would be building relationships with every professor and teacher that I could. Um, I mean, I would just take advantage of every resource and opportunity that, that there was. Um, just probably be a little less selfish. So it's not always about me and what I got going on. Um, I'm going to try to just – uh, take advantage of every possible resource there is. Um, I mean, I would be studying. I would be learning football. I would try to uh, also expand my horizons too because, you know, like I said, I wrote a book. Mm-hmm. But, man, um, I, I would like to uh, – I wish I could get more into some business stuff uh, from because also what I want to do too, Tyler, is I also want to start a, a capital fund, man. And I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I definitely want to do that. I'll, I've always been like a goal-oriented guy to be able to help people because one – and that's going to be like my next book that I talk about, the transition from college to professional. But um, it's called 4 to 40. But just being able to help help young men also from a financial standpoint yeah. because I guess I'm a little bit different. Everybody always teaches you to save money. But I also want to learn how to make money to have another income um, coming in besides just coaching, right? Or playing ball. You want to have another income. And so it's just, it's, it's, uh, if I could tell my 16 year old self all of that wisdom, um, that, that's what I would go back and tell myself. Yeah. Uh, on the book, uh, 
I'll be be honest when when you I first you know see someone sends me something about recruiting or a book probably like you I'm I'm skeptical <laughs> and yes. I, yeah. I I was and I I read your book and I just you know haven't been a, on a high school staff a division one staff haven't played you know FCS there's just it's full of great information especially timely relevant and steps for kids to take literally from eighth grade to to wherever they may go but what was it that made you want to write it? What was yeah. it that, that inspired you? Like, I, I got to put this out there and help some people. <laughs> you know, okay. So to, to be honest with you, man, um, I've always wanted to write a book. So I remember in 10th or 11th grade, and, and Tyler, this was the type of guy I always was. I always, I've always been a big dreamer for yeah. whatever reason. That's Dream just big, me. I've always, I've always been that way. And, and it comes from a genuine spot because there was so many difficult times throughout my life, but that's just always who I was. And so, and that goes along with that quote, effort over time. So no matter how many shots that, that life gives me, I just keep getting back up. And then after a while, you just build that strength and be like, you know what? No matter what life throws at me, I'm going to keep getting back up. Man, that, that's me. But anyway, um, what, what made me want to write the book was first I've always wanted to write write a book for whatever reason. So when I was young, I'd always have a little journal writing stuff down. But then one day um, I was over a, a good friend of mine. I was over his house and we were sitting down having dinner. And he told me, he said, uh, Larry, you know, somebody would write a book on the recruiting process. Man, that book would do really, really well. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to start writing this book. And so uh, my wife, who's an English teacher, you know, uh, nice. she kind of did a lot of editing for me. So nice. that was a blessing. And so I just started writing it, writing stuff down, man. And I kind of framed the book and the the way I wanted to flow and go into order. And I just started writing and writing and writing. And um, we we sent some messages out to, to publishers and agents and all that stuff. And just one thing led to another and it just kind of kept rolling, man. Well, it's, a, yeah. it's linked up to this podcast. I definitely recommend it. Um, it's full of great stuff. But uh, last question to kind of wrap us up, you know, making that transition from player to, to in the coaching world. Uh, what brings you joy uh, about what you do with, with young men and, and what brings you joy through coaching? Man, uh, it's a great question. What brings me joy is the ability to uh, impact young men. Uh, I absolutely love it, Tyler. Um, because I remember myself being um, younger and what it would have meant for me or what it has meant to me to have coaches impact my life. And so the guy that's currently uh, the D-line coach here at the University of Houston, he coached coached and recruited me back in college, and he gave me my first college job, right, as a graduate assistant at Arkansas State. And so we've just been connected, I mean, almost as a family, from our coaching career. And there's, there's been numerous other coaches in high school that have had an impact on me. And so now in turn, I want to be able to be that for somebody else. And so, and there are players, man, um, that I've been able to help and impact along the way. And they'll text me a a couple of years later, man, coach, I love you. And I appreciate everything that you've done for me. And man, that's some of the the, the best feelings that you can ever have. Um, Because one thing I've learned, Tyler, I mean, I don't think that we can be able to take, we can't take iPhones and money with us, right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I mean, it's just the amount of people that we can impact along the way. And that's generally 
what what brings me joy out of this man is, is seeing people successful. Uh, because here here's another big one that that I that the quote that I love to say, Tyler. Um, how do you treat people that can't do anything for you? Yeah. Okay. You see, and so because um, and it's been times in my life where, and I experienced this when you're an NFL player, where everybody's texting you and hitting you up, and man, you're a big time college athlete and everybody loves you. But then you get cut from the NFL, then you're nobody hits you up anymore, man. Right? But they're like the coach that gave me my first job. He kind of stayed in touch with me. He takes me out of the blue and say, "Hey, man, you want to come coach and be a graduate assistant?" Right? And so at that point in time, I had nothing to really offer him. Like just he just did that out of the kindness of his heart. Yeah. So that that's what really stuck out to me, and that's what gives me joy. Is now I want to have the ability to impact other people. 